Katie Herzog, how's it going? Good, Jesse, but I need to say something. You know I don't like it when you speak up. Yeah, well, I'm going to. Jesse, it is almost Pride Month. It is the day before, the week before Pride Month. And I will admit that over the past few years, I have been critical of certain excesses of queer activism and corporate pinkwashing. No, yes, you. a little bit. I did, in fact, purchase a Pride flag last year with the ISIS logo on it and uh, <laughs> hang it proudly outside of my house. Um, but some, I know you're, you aren't on, on Twitter, so you're missing a lot of this, but there have been some recent trends in the culture that have made me reconsider my anti-Pride stance. And I'm mostly talking about these conservative freakouts over things like Bud Light's single sponsored post on Dylan Mulvaney's <laughs> Instagram account. Yeah. And then this week, the freakout is over Target selling Pride merch and bathing suits for drag queens. These are bathing suits that have like extra space for like large labia or uh, balls. And what are balls if not extra large labia? <laughs> Did you see this? Have you seen any of this? I saw some of it. It sounds like you're almost saying, and I don't want to go overboard or put words in your mouth. It's, it's like you're almost saying that for like actually liberal-minded people, maybe Matt Walsh isn't the champion for your, for your position that we're looking for. I mean, strong words, Jesse, strong words. Yeah, I know, very strong words. Yeah, so this week uh, I saw a video of a guy berating a Target employee over some pride shirts basically accusing her of being a Satanist, which she obviously was based on her <laughs> eyebrows uh, and the eyeliner. But Can you I, imagine just the fucking, all this shit always just like trickle, all the shit rolls downhill to like random fucking employees. Yes. Has nothing to do with this culture war bullshit. It's awful. Yeah, and then they started GoFundMe and get to quit Target. Um, yep. And I, I'm really struck watching this by the parallels between these people and the most annoyingly strident queer activists online. Like you start with a legitimate grievance, like for queer activists, it could be discrimination, which, you know, is real, does affect people. For conservative activists, it could be kids getting sex changes, also real. This does happen. <laughs> it does. It happens. I mean, wait, what happened? What Kids getting, kids getting sex yeah, changes? Yeah, I mean, some might call it gender affirming care, but I think that that's the seed of the complaint is this idea of kids getting sex changes. Gotcha. You okay. do acknowledge that this does happen, right? I mean, there's a version of it that doesn't happen, which is like 10-year-olds yes. getting – or 7-year-olds getting – as I said that, I was like, well, 12 and 13. Uh, <laughs> we <laughs> Check out our Too's, back catalog. We'll discuss <laughs> the issue in some depth. Too, it is – there's some gray area there. Uh, yeah. Nobody's getting uh, getting their penises cut off at the age of 10, but they might be taking pu puberty blockers that make it impossible that their penis grow anything larger than a micro wiener. And anyway, so, so – Why are you obsessed with kids' genitals, <laughs> Katie? Come on. So these are just – so there's some seeds of, I think, what are some legitimate complaints, but soon enough – you know, you're arguing for these absolutely untenable positions, like with liberals, it might be allowing trans women to race in women's swim meets, or like for conservatives, banning Heather to, has two mommies from the public library. It's concept creep, and it's happening on both sides. And we've now gotten to the point where this is a headline that I just saw. Portland Elementary School cancels after-school Pride Fest event over social media threats. <laughs> Portland Elementary School. So this is a real thing that happens. And I just want to say, like, liberals, why are you having a Pride Fest at an elementary school? Why do you need to celebrate sexuality before kids' balls have dropped? And conservatives, why are you threatening elementary schools? There are better ways to handle this. Everyone just needs to stop. But I'm, I am, like, I'm especially concerned about this because after several years of detente on the gay thing where it's just been sort of socially accepted that gay people are not actually Satanists and, like, we can get married and raise families and have kids – 
some conservatives, people like Matt Walsh, really have recently, they've been re-engaging their the old bigot muscles. And so in response to this, I just want to say that this year, I am going all in on Pride. Oh, damn. I will not just be wearing rainbow onesies and drag queen bathing suits purchased from Target all month of June. I'm going to be drinking Bud Light by the gallon, and I don't even drink, so this is a real sacrifice. I will also be getting facial feminization surgery and top surgery in solidarity with J- Dylan Mulvaney, and by that I do mean implants. Nice. And I want to ask our listeners to support me on this. Fight bigotry with me, and you can do that by donating to my GoFundMe at blockedandreported.org. <laughs> yeah, it's a very important cause. All right, Katie. Well, I'm glad you finally seen the errors of your ways and that you are joining me on the side of good. But uh, yeah, I guess it's sort of, I don't know. I don't want to make it about us, but it's like this. It's annoying that people can't understand the difference between criticizing your own side, which there has not been nearly right. enough of um, among liberals, especially since 2020. Shit, A lot of shit has just like gone objectively crazy. And there's been these ridiculous moral panics and witch hunts. That's one thing. It's obviously another thing when you're at the point where your state legislatures trying to write laws keeping kids away from drag queens. Just right. as soon as you're at the point where you're trying to spend any time on keeping kids away from drag queens. Well, the- and, and this is also while also championing parents' rights. Right. So it's your parents' rights not to get you vaccinated. It's your parents' rights to make sure that you're not exposed to any anything that might make you uncomfortable at school. But it is not a parent's right if a parent wants to take their kids to go see a drag queen, read a read Peppa the Pig at the local library. Yeah, it's just I saw. I just don't. I don't understand it. I mean, look, we don't have kids. People always play that card, but like you can see more sexual content. On, I do have a kid. You have a giant furry. Kid. <laughs> yes. I do. And uh, you know what? I have no problem taking him to see drag queens read Peppa the Pig. No problem at all. But it's also, it's just like you can see much more sexual stuff just on like network TV commercials or Bill. It's just such the drag queen thing is just Andrew Sullivan wrote a good thing about this forever ago. It's just, it's such a weird obsession they had. And it puts us in a little bit of an awkward position, obviously, because some of the people who are on our team and cheering us on because we're critical of the youth gender medicine stuff, which you should be critical of, then turn out to have very crazy beliefs about drag queens. And they start calling gay people groomers. And I refuse to be like, well, that means we're wrong about the other stuff. I think we can differentiate the two. But it's just it's a very confusing landscape. And it just feels like the culture wars are getting... I think you're right. I think basically what happened is that like there's a subset of social conservatives who lost the gay marriage wars very decisively, but it's not like they were ever okay with like homosexuality. They was just it was just sort of like bubbling up for a while, and now it has an uh, outlet that is seen as ex- uh, acceptable in their community. So I, I don't know. The 2024 race is going to be a fucking disaster and a, a train wreck. And, it, and there is that thing with both sides pushing the others. It, it's. It's not exactly. like liberals are going to respond or like high profile liberals trying to win Democratic primaries. They're going to respond with like any sort of reason. It's just going to get no. – it's, it's just going to be like, oh, well, well fuck you. We're going to have three-year-olds. Uh, we're going to have drag queens for three years. It's just like – which I don't I don't care, but I just care because it looks stupid and it gives the other side exactly what they want. Yeah. Like I saw this tweet the other day from London Breed, mayor of San Francisco. San Francisco is no stranger to being a place that is accepting of all people. Our first ever drag laureate program 
represents everything we stand for, pride, diversity, inclusion. So San Francisco now has a drag laureate. And that is fucking silly. It's silly. And I think they're doing this in response to conservatives freaking out about drag. And on each side, it just gets worse and worse and worse. And yes, I do think that there's something distasteful about little kids doing drag the same way I would find I find it distasteful when little kids like JonBenet Ramsey style dress up as adults and do pageants. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Sorry. I Absolutely. I think that's a perfectly fine analogy. I more mean like you'll see an occasional video of like a family at a drag brunch with a five-year-old. Right. I don't care. I'm sorry. That five-year-old has no idea what to look at. And again, they can see more sexual stuff at other places. If you're dressing... And it's a... If, like, if you really think that it's that parents' rights are paramount, yeah. then this is a parent's right to take their kid to that event. Although it's not anymore because in places like Tennessee and Florida, they are trying to outlaw kids from being exposed to drag. Right. And you like, I don't like drag. I find drag incredibly boring. Despite being a pro- regular proponent of it in terms of your own attire. <laughs> right. I think the only thing more boring than drag queens are drag kings because they're just bushes with some like spirit gum on their face. But like this is it's I'm not a fan of drag at all. But this the fact that drag of all things has become this this like crux in the culture war is just I'm fucking sick of it. I wanna like I wanna yeah. fight about Satan lyrics and frozen songs. Can we fight about that? Yeah. Rap music is still pretty misogynistic. Yes, rap you know, music. D- uh, Taylor Swift is dating a Nazi. Can we fight about that? I heard I saw that on Twitter. Yeah. How close is that to being true? Not at all. Does that matter? <laughs> oh, that's surprising. Um, <laughs> I mean, yes, there are rare cases. Libs of TikTok post all of them probably where you see kids at places where they really shouldn't be, like sexually explicit drag shows or at a pride event where dudes are wearing, you know, puppy masks and butt plugs. And I do think organizations and businesses and parents, frankly, should be better about policing this and like not calling an event family friendly when it's not actually family friendly but I also think that part of the reason that you see more of these, quote, family-friendly drag events is as a direct response to the conservative panic over things like Drag Queen Story Hour, which is really just gay men in wigs and makeup wearing reading storybooks. Like, it might be weird, but no one is getting molested at the library. No, I, yeah, I just want to be clear. I the I don't—look, I, would— I think it's weird if a friend of mine was like, yeah, we're going to take our five-year-old to a drag brunch a little bit. Yeah. On the grand scheme of fucked up things people do to their kids. I don't I don't know, man. But dressing, you're, having your kid perform like a dancey <laughs> like, thing where they're like sexualized, whether whatever, whether it's a child beauty pageant or a drag thing, I find that deeply weird and creepy. I, I, even there, I'm not going to fucking send the state in to like threaten to remove the kid. For, I just wish they had better parents. I don't want the state involved. I do like the idea that at uh, at like pageant events, little girls dressed up like you know like Miss America would be getting dollars put in their, put in their dresses, which actually has happened with these kid drag queens. It is fucking weird, but still like. This is actually a parents' rights issue. It is. Yeah, I mean, but but by that same token, I was maybe going to write about this, but like the all the laws banning, supposedly banning like critical race theory or DEI, they're so poorly written and are so likely to impact teachers negatively just because they're poorly written. It's like right. in any other situation, a conservative would be like, this is why you can't have government overreaching and imposing its will right. on just like teachers trying to do their jobs. This is what happens when government tries to help. But it's like people just completely forget their values and their politics because like, oh, no, we got to uh, stick it to the libs. Well, now things are going to get much better because we have Ron DeSantis officially in the race for president. 
after that flawless launch on Twitter, mm-hmm. his campaign is... I haven't watched that yet. I should watch that video. There's nothing to watch. There's no video. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> There's no video when I can't, you can't watch it because of technical difficulties. It's 20 minutes of, mm, mm, why isn't this working? Why isn't this working? Here, here's, what I, here's, what I, here's what I would watch. If you're Elon Musk, strap uh, Ron DeSantis to one of your SpaceX rockets, mm-hmm. like the outside of it, with a lot of duct tape, and at the pinnacle of the test flight, have him announce then on a live stream. Combine all your interests into one multimedia extravaganza. That's what I want to see. Call it the USS Woke Mind Virus. He did say that on his live stream. <laughs> it sort of reminds me of the Elizabeth Warren campaign where it was very clear that she was surrounded by incredibly online advisors. That's Ron DeSantis, but he's right wing instead of left wing and instead of like putting his pronouns in his bio he's talking about the woke mind virus dude this is gonna be this is going to be we we need to like when it talks about something as important as a presidential election we need to keep in mind the people who are most affected us because we're going to be exposed to like all it's going to be the most insufferable campaign ever and i say that as someone who strong i strongly will Whatever. We don't need to get into my own politics. We have our own political views. I think it's important, but it's also going to be fucking insufferable. We should be able to acknowledge that. It sure is. A year from now, Joe Biden is going to be on stage, like <laughs> being interviewed by a four-year-old drag queen, <laughs> pretending to think, like, it's just going to be like the Elizabeth Warren, like it saying is. she'll let him, it's just that, but it just keeps getting worse. It can only get more stupid. Yes. And at some point, someone is going to ask Joe Biden what a woman is, and he is not going to know the answer. Uh. The one who finds my keys, you know, it's just, it's going to be bad. It's going to be all bad. <laughs> it's going to be something very folksy yeah. and stupid. Yeah. <sighs> Katie, what is the name of this increasingly anti, anti-drag podcast? This is Blocking Reported, and I'm Katie Herzog. And I'm Jesse Single, and we have a rich tapestry of stuff today. Don't we not? Don't we not? Don't we not? Do not we not? We indeed do. Jesse, what are we talking about today? One thing we're going to talk about is the single type of person most responsible for oppression, genocide, whining, meanness, judgment. I'm speaking, of course, of Karens or or Kaislers. I I can't even say it. We're going to talk about Karens. That's one of the stories. Kaysler, that's sort of a, that would make sort of a nice name for like a, a millennial's child. Mm-hmm. But first, Jesse, I'm going to bring you some news from Canada Ooh. and the anarchist anti-capitalist cafe. I'm excited to hear that. But actually, before that, I have a very rare event, which is a correction. Ah, Jesse's correction corner. What did you do wrong? JCC. <laughs> Jewish community. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did I do wrong? Where to begin? So... I have an apology not to one of the thousands, if not millions of people we wrong every time we open our mouths, but to one of our very own. Tracing Woodgrains, our furry friend, and what's his title? Uh, Chief, Chief Furry Producer. Chief Furry Producer, CFP. Mm-hmm. So here's what I said toward the end of our recent premium episode about Ruben Sim, a YouTuber who went to war against Roblox, and then later the even more powerful institution, Furries. This is what I said as I wrapped up the episode. More or less the story of Ruben Sim. I think Trace, understandably... This must have been hard for Trace. <laughs> Was he traumatized? He, Do we need to get him a, like, give him a self-care day? He sort of latched on to the furry angle, which I understand given that his own identity, but there's so much more here. The You got the furry war, which of course is a good thing to end on, but the Roblox, which just is a far more evil-seeming company than I realized. We're uh, we're linking to a lot of legitimate journalism on 
As it turns out, I totally misremembered this. I sort of uh, stereotyped Trace. The original email. How dare you? I know. I really messed up. Uh, Trace didn't actually latch onto the furry angle. He just sort of. He just didn't. I don't know. I looked at emails. He bit into it. He bit into it and then shook it around (laughs) like a rabbit he caught. Uh, So I apologize to Trace. I actually cut that part out of the episode and posted a correction, pointing people to this explanation. And as penance, in solidarity with Trace and misunderstood furries everywhere. You're going to let him piss on your leg? If not other places. I'm also recording this episode (laughs) dressed as a giant, super horny alpaca. All right, Jesse. Well, thank you for that correction and apologies to Trace. It will not happen again. And if it does, Jesse will be fired. Don't worry about that. Um, Okay, Jesse, news from Canada. Are you familiar with the with the anarchist yeah uh the anarchist is a small flightless bird (laughs) that lives by itself doesn't Mm -hmm. like getting into like a a flock and it thinks the government should be torn down and we should all just sort of like do our own thing and build self-sustaining communities something like that yeah it um has been known to throw milkshakes at andy no Mm -hmm. No, The Anarchist is the name of a cafe based in Toronto. It is specifically an anarchist, anti-capitalist cafe. And it is the brainchild of a guy named Gabriel Sims Feuer. He is a Toronto-based anarcho-communist, not to be confused with an anarcho-capitalist. He's enemies of them. And his politics are exactly what you would expect. All cops are bastards. White supremacy is floating through the air, soiling everything it touches. Straights to the back, queers to the front, etc. Drag drag queens, blah, blah, blah. Yes, drag queens are heroes. You know how like uh, hashtag resistance Twitter people spell out America with three Ks? Yeah, although that long predates that. It's always been a really obnoxious. Anyway, yes. Okay, so he does that, but for Canada. Canada. He hates capitalism. Oh, Canada. He hates capitalism, especially late capitalism, a term that I would like to point out was coined in the early part of the 20th century. He's very into black and indigenous trans people, punching fascists. His bio on Instagram reads, Gabriel Sims Fewer, he, him, anarchist, coffee person, currently located on the stolen land known as Toronto. Uh, Okay, so Gabriel, he's basically a walking stereotype. He's also a small business owner, and he opened this anarchist cafe uh, to some fanfare in early 2022. It was covered by the local press at the time, and one video in particular got a lot of attention on Twitter. Here's a clip from that. This is by Blog Toronto. The Anarchist is a worker-owned, anti-capitalist, anti-colonial cafe, shop, and community space. Gabriel opened the space after leaving Vancouver due to its unwelcoming sense of classism. <laughs> okay, wait. Can I just stop halfway through? Mm-hmm. Can I just say, like, the the number of just, like, mimetic content contained in the first 15 seconds of this? That's just exactly what you expect. Like, first of all, the guy looks exactly... Whatever you're picturing in your head, you listening to this, that's what he looks like, right? Yes. It's, like, exactly right. And then... The bag, they're selling tote bags, and one of them just says consent on it. <laughs> the idea that this is radical, ooh, radical, let's talk about consent. These are just like rad lib memes. And then also, like, moving from Vancouver, which I guess is a particularly expensive city, to Toronto, but Toronto is not like a not also, cool. yeah, it's like they're it's sort of their no, New York. Yeah. I, this whole thing is amazing. Anyway, I'm gonna continue watching now. Though he never felt comfortable working in a coffee shop in BC, he knew if he were to have one of his own, it would have to adopt the values that occupy such a huge part of his life a place devoted to radical leftist politics, revolution, ending capitalism, improving the world's economic system that benefits everyone and not just elites, and most importantly, sparking conversations that will help implement these ideas. Other than delicious coffee. 
coffee, which Gabriel is most definitely an expert in. The shop has a rich selection of progressive political books that he's selling at wholesale prices. I was happy to try some great light roast espresso here. I even tried my first espresso tonic, which is something of a micro-revolution in itself. I highly recommend paying a visit to Gabriel at 190 Jarvis Street, if not for great coffee, for even greater conversation. Okay, that's it. I support Ron DeSantis now. <laughs> this was this was a bridge too far. I don't like the drag queen thing, whatever, but this video was so annoying. I am diving. I'm leaning into the negative polarization, and I'm now a Republican. Do you remember this video when it came out? No, I don't, but I'm sure it got... I mean, it has a lot of... I can see that it got around. I had it bookmarked. I like went back and found it. I had I bookmarked it when it came out. <laughs> so yes, I definitely saw this, and I remember seeing it. So uh, all right, the, this tweet that has 10,000 quote tweets, and the top response was from an account called I Hypocrite, and it reads, I give them 18 months tops. <laughs> well, that was a little too generous, Jesse, because last week the Anarchist Cafe announced it would be closing forever. Are you surprised? Okay, so what was like anarchist and anti-capitalist about this business? Well, basically nothing. I mean, there was one sole owner, this guy Gabriel. It wasn't like a workers' co-op, and he imposed various rules. So, for instance, people in the military or cops were not welcome to uh, to walk in the doors of the Anarchist Cafe. And wait, they like, literally couldn't come in. He did not. He, I mean, I guess he couldn't prevent you from like walking in the doors if you weren't wearing your uniform. But he ex- he was explicit that he did not want people in the military or police patronizing his cafe. Okay. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. And so it was billed as explicitly anti-capitalist. And the media coverage at the time that it, that it, that it opened, it claimed it was uh, pay what you want. It wasn't actually drip coffee was pay what you can. Everything else was priced on par for coffee house prices in any expensive city. So $5.25 for a latte, $5.75 for a chai latte, $4 for the Marks and Engels. That was a single espresso and piccolo. Uh, that's either the name for a small instrument or a fancy steam milk drink. Piccolo. 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 That's how the instrument Piccolo. Is. Okay. Regardless, Piccolo. $4 for that. And as far as I can tell, the only thing anarchists or anti-capitalists about this was the branding. And so last week, Gabriel announced that it was going to close. He said this on Instagram. Sadly, the anarchists will be closing its doors on May 30th. It's been an amazing experience connecting with so many great community members, sparking desperately needed debate, raising the blood pressure of conservatives, that includes you, anarcho-capitalists and libertarians, fulfilling the dream of most service workers by not having to tolerate the presence of professional class traders, parentheses, pigs and military, and experimenting with living and working in ways that don't enthusiastically embrace the pure misanthropy of capitalism. Unfortunately, the lack of generational wealth seed capital from ethically bankrupt sources left me unable to weather the quiet winter season or grow in ways needed to be sustainable longer term. And then he ends that with, fuck the rich, fuck the police, fuck the state, fuck the colonial death camp we call Canada, Solidarity, Gabriel, a.k.a. the anarchist. Can I just say, uh... (laughs) (laughs) Yes. As a Jewish person, I'm really glad to see the concept of a death camp expanded to things like one of the best places in the world to live. Yeah, it's great. Also, Gabriel. <laughs> a- hey, Jesse, wait. Did They did have free health care in the death camps, did they not? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Also, Gabriel, <laughs> a.k.a. the anarchist, we know this guy is hardcore and that he's an anarchist because that's his nickname. Right. And he wrote, fuck the rich and, and bold. Yeah, fuck the rich and bold. So colonial death camp. Okay. So this naturally, this announcement leads to a tsunami of glee from capitalist pigs. Uh, the closure was covered all over the media, Fortune Magazine, New York Post, and the Toronto Star. They went with the headline, 
The anarchist Toronto's anti-capitalist cafe is closing after getting scalded by capitalism. Very good. Inc. had a slightly more nuanced take. They took it semi-seriously. The author provided a history of counterculture and anti-capitalist businesses and talked about the ways that that sort of thing can be an effective capitalist niche and then finished with this, quote, Simfior blames capitalism for anar- anarchist cafe's failure, and I don't disagree with them, because capitalism doesn't really care about your ideology or politics, no matter how radical, but it will absolutely punish you if your business plan sucks. <laughs> and Jesse, speaking of business plans, would you like to guess the hours of operation for the Anarchist Cafe, which I will remind you is a coffee shop? Okay, well, I'm going to use like various clues here, and and I'm stereotyping a little bit. Technically, people who have beards like this guy's beards, and who talk about hating cops and the police, and who identify as anarchists, how to state this politely? I don't necessarily associate them with hard work, so I'm going to guess four days a week, eleven to two. <laughs> no, it was five days a week, nine to five. <laughs> okay. Nine to five. <laughs> Coffee, Coffee shops, shops usually, yeah, they usually open, if they're going to work, open earlier. Also, yes. like here where I live, at least, coffee shops are like absolutely bustling on the weekends because that's when time, that's when people have time to like right. go and hang out. Well, he, he, he was open on the, on the weekends. He was, but he was closed Monday, Monday gotcha. and Tuesday. That's normal ish. But nine to five, not really the hours that one would expect a coffee shop to be open. I've worked at a lot of them. Typically, coffee shops open at like six or seven in the morning. Yeah. Okay. So uh, after the closure is announced, everybody has a good laugh. It's silly. Aren't anarchists? However, the flood of negative attention ended up being a boon for Mr. Sims Fewer, Mr. Anarchist, because less than a week after announcing that the Anarchist Cafe was closing, he posted a new announcement on Instagram not closing down. Quote, thanks to a huge influx and very generous donation of publicity and attention from the Christian conservatives of Texas and Florida, the anarchists will continue to operate after May 30th. Hashtag politics, hashtag radical, hashtag revolution, hashtag revolutionary, hashtag anarchist, hashtag anarchism, hashtag socialist, socialism, Kate, communist, I'm communism, going to Marxist, kill myself. Marxism, left, Please leftist. Stop. Okay, and then it ends with a hashtag land back. Uh, he oh, wait, was, also there's hashtag be gay, do crime. Oh, that's true. We can, can't, can't forget that one. And eat the rich. And abolish work. Interesting. Uh, sounds like he was probably a great boss. Uh, and so he also posted a GoFundMe to keep the project going. And as of this recording, he has raised $475. I'm so... Wait. Okay. So basically he's saying that because all these right-wingers were making fun of it, he got donations. But then... I'm sort of confused. I don't even get what's going on here. Yeah, I mean, maybe he was like selling merch online or something, and people. But I don't doubt that he did get that people sent him money. I mean, he probably had his Venmo listed somewhere or something. But he started this fundraiser. Nobody is reporting on the fundraiser. No, four hundred seventy-five dollars from eleven donors. Yeah, yeah, it's been up for like twenty-four hours. So I mean, that'll keep it open for, I don't know, an hour or two. This is um. Should I go there? Should we go to do a field trip to Toronto to see this place in action? Let's ask Phoebe Maltz Bowie to go there and do a dispatch for us. Oh, yeah. She could be our undercover yes. uh, capitalist correspondent. Yes. Although hopefully he wouldn't look at her and decide that she's a cop in disguise undercover. <laughs> she is a cop. Um, anything else on this, Katie? That is it, Jesse. Best of luck to the anarchist. Really wish him the best. Should we do housekeeping? Yes, let's do it. We're a podcast. You can find us at blockedunreported.org where for just $5 a month, you can become a primo, a premium subscriber. You can hear us talk about uh, Roblox and I don't know. What else have we talked about lately? Well, Jesse, 
I am going to be making an announcement on the Primo. Uh, you don't know about this, but I have a I have a new nemesis. This is a, not online. This is an IRL situation. And I'm afraid that my nemesis is going to be listening to the free show. So I've decided to save this for the Primo because there's no way in hell she's paying for it. So I will be telling the story on our next Primo episode of uh, the woman that I plan on murdering. This is okay. Is this a real life nemesis based on like petty neighbor bullshit or like online political bullshit? Both. Oh, man. I'm excited for this. It's got Facebook groups. It's got neighbors. It's got dog napping. Oh, my yeah. God. It's got showing up at my house. Are you serious? Fuck, I'm not going to talk anymore about it. She might be listening to this. Yes. Holy shit. Okay. So we're doing that and we're doing that. Ask us anything for the Primo dropping next week. Join the Primo. You can also comment on episodes, access weekly open threads that regularly get like more than a thousand comments. There's great conversation. Uh, first crack at both live events when we start those back up again and meetups. We almost did one in Boston. We... I didn't have it. We're, there's going to be a Boston one uh, sometime soon. No one showed up. Is that what <laughs> no, it was the. I mean, that's what I was worried would happen. It, there was too much demand, and I couldn't get a venue. I, I didn't leave enough time to figure it out. I, I tried to rent a place or reserve a big place in like four days. Which Dude, is you need enough. to go to event planning school if you're going to keep doing I know, this. I know, but we're going to try to do a. Um, I'm hoping this summer or fall to do a meetup in Boston. Primos get invites to those and first chance at live events tickets. Um, what else for housekeeping? Primos get locks of Jesse's hair at the at the live events. He gives them out whether you want them or not. Mm-hmm. Sent to mail to you at your home address. He also might sneeze on your food if you're lucky. Maybe make your baby cry. Wait, did I sneeze on someone's food? I did make someone's baby cry. I mean, I think you would if people paid for it. I did make someone's baby cry because I asked uh, if it knew what a podcaster was in El Segundo and it started crying. A natural response. And we have a subreddit at blotchreporter.reddit.com. What else do we have? Merch, barpodmerch.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think maybe we should add a um, add a hat. What do you think about that? A hat? Just like a blank hat, no branding. <laughs> yeah, just you know, what we could sell. We can sell. I told you last week that I got this. My nephew got me the Guy Fieri hat, but with like moose colored hair. Yeah. Do you know well, what I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, I said yeah at the time. I could. I feel like I could. I feel like I can picture it. Okay, it's like it looks like a visor, but it's actually a hat with a wig. That's awesome. So it looks like you have Guy Fieri's hair, but the one that my nephew got me is moose colored hair, and he got it for me. As a joke, but I've been wearing it everywhere. <clears throat> like I wear it to play pickleball. I wear it to the gym. I wear it to the grocery store. People have people do like they stop and they stare at me. We could sell That's those. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, we could do that. Also, I'm just gonna. <laughs> there's uh, no bad ideas. We're brainstorming. What if we did a. Um, like a, an Indian headdress. Headdress. Oh, I think that's a great idea. We also probably should do some pride merch. Oh, bar bar pod pride merch. But yes, exactly. Lots of look. Like we will it. do. We will do bathing suits that are so skimpy. Your balls. You won't be able to tuck. You're, they're just gonna be hanging out. We're gonna. We'll do anything for money. I think we've made that clear by the way we debase <laughs> ourselves every day. That's the one guiding principle. What about truck nuts? Oh, should we sell truck Can nuts? We do a um. Oh my god! You know those like those bumper stickers with Calvin and Hobbes peeing on or Calvin peeing on something? Yeah. Let's do yeah. that, but with Trace dressed up as yeah. a jackal pissing on like Michael Hobbs. I don't know what he's pissing on. No, take <laughs> come on. We're trying to be good and not get in fights with people. Well, he doesn't deserve that. <laughs> okay, uh, one more thought here. What if we did... Dude, blocked and reported shock collar for humans. Oh, that's good. What about tote bags that say consent on one side and blocked and reported on the other? If you have more ideas, you can email us at blockedreportedpodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. What about tote bags that say consent on one side and is overrated on the other side? <laughs> I'd buy that. I'd buy it and I'd wear it. 
I get my groceries in it. Uh, offensive for the sake of offensive. It's very immature. Okay, Katie. Do you want to talk about Karens? I would love to. I am a Karen. I identify as a Karen. What does that mean to you? How does that how does that dictate your identity, your day-to-day life? Well, it gives me permission to be who I am, which is a complainer. Yeah. Other words I'd use other than complainers. Yeah. Although I don't like there is one like Karens are known for complaining to the manager. That's sort of the stereotype of the Karen. I don't do that. I pretend to be the manager and I can and I complain I like that. to the customers. Um, okay, so we're going to yeah. talk about a New York Times article from May 21st headlined Uber's diversity chief put on leave after complaints of insensitivity by Kellen Browning. The diversity chief in question is named Bo Young Lee. She was brought on board in that capacity in 2018. This was part of Uber CEO Dara Khosra Shahi's effort to steer the company away from its sort of rambunctious and insensitive past under uh, Travis Kalanick, a.k.a. America's Sweetheart. Is his name pronounced Kalonic? Kalonic? I should know this. His name has been pronounced a lot. Kalonic just does not sound right. That sounds like something else entirely. <laughs> Kalonic? Get a high Kalonic? A Kalonic. That's Kalonic. like what your, what your tushy gives you when you aim it right. I'm going to do what I should have done before recording this and do the uh, online pronunciator. I don't want it slow. Okay, wait. Kalonic. Really? He should change that. Yeah, Kalonic. Anyway. Um, okay, so Bo Young Lee is brought in to do diversity stuff. Okay, so who was complaining? Who was mad at her? Just the people. Uh, this is from the Times. Quote, employees' concerns centered on a pair of events, one last month and another last Wednesday, that were billed as, quote, diving into the spectrum of the American white woman's experience, end quote, and hearing from white women who work at Uber with a focus on the Karen persona. Uh, they were intended to be an open and honest conversation about race, according to the invitation. Ooh. Yeah, I was going to say, open and honest conversation about race. I, <laughs> I do not like the sound of that. Especially at a place like Uber. Like, what I imagine that would be would be people complaining about Asian drivers. <laughs> okay, so does the article explain exactly what was wrong with the Karen events? Like, were these anti-Karen or pro-Karen? I can't really tell from the description. I think the accusation is that they coddled the Karens, and you can't coddle uh, the Karen because then she'll just get even Karener. We all know this. Coddling of the American Karen. You know, we've read the book. Exactly. Thank you, John Haidt. Um, the article is pretty vague about exactly what this woman supposedly did wrong. It's this genre of journalism that sort of grates on me where you can tell the reporter is like, I don't know, very much on the side of activists within a company. We saw a version of this uh, with the supposed employee uprising against Dave Chappelle at Netflix. Do you remember that? Like the stories really made it seem like there was this huge amount of anger among Netflix employees who were quoted anonymously, right? Yeah. Uh, what was the best angle of that? Jokes are, what was that guy's name? Vito. Oh, Giswaldi. Yeah. Yeah. Carrying the sign. That, what, what was he chanting? I don't Jokes know. Are, jokes, jokes are, are funny, Dave, I think. Joke, Dave is good. Jokes are funny. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. And he got basically Seems assaulted. Like but anyway. Yeah, it really does. So you would have thought based on this coverage that like 80% of the company was furious but it seems like it was just like a pretty small group of super aggrieved individuals who got the ear of these journalists who who just didn't really push back on whatever they told them. It sort of seems like the same deal here. Like here are the closest we get to details. But workers felt they were being lectured on the difficulties experienced by white women and why Karen was a derogatory term and that Miss Lee was dismissive of their concerns, according to messages sent on Slack, a workplace messaging tool that were viewed by the Times. So... Okay, the employees felt that way. People feel a lot of things. And you would think in a situation like this where you're granting anonymity for workers to bash a named executive, 
uh, that we'd get more details. So we, but we don't really. Um, okay, wait. So are they arguing that Karen is not a derogatory term? Well, let me read a little bit more from this to try because this is the other only place where we really get a sense of what they're upset about. Several weeks after that first event, a black woman asked during an Uber all hands meeting how the company would prevent, quote, tone deaf, offensive and triggering conversations, end quote, from becoming a part of its diversity <laughs> initiatives. I mean, for, let's just stop there for a second. Like, it's like the this thing where, like, we have to talk about race in the workplace. It's incredibly important. And you've seen this everywhere. You've seen, like, employees just bemoaning the fact that there isn't enough DEI training. But then unless the DEI training is exactly what they want right. it to be, it's like it's it triggering. seems like. At this point, companies should maybe just go as vanilla as possible with this stuff because what's the upside oh my God. of making it at all like edgy? Right. Like the thing to do is just to state the law and send everybody out to yes. lunch. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. Because like the the I'm guessing the percentage of employees who actually are like, yes, we want to talk about race more at work are a very small. We want separate. We want affinity groups yes. where all the black people get together, all the white people together, and the Asians have to right. choose between the two. I'm guessing this is a very small, very annoying, and very loud group that you could really just ignore. And I don't know. It, we've seen some companies do this, but like, why not just be like, our job is to uh, make money and to cause taxi drivers to kill themselves. So <laughs> we're going to do focus on those jobs. I shouldn't make that joke. It's too <laughs> obvious a joke. Actually, the the taxi thing is more complicated because like in New York, the medallion system right. is fucking insane. Right. And it's much easier to become an Uber driver than become a taxi. Whatever. Neither here nor there. But like, why don't these companies just be like, if you want to go to a place where you talk about race, this might not be the company for you. What's so hard about doing that? Well, I mean, companies have done that. Yeah, somehow. We saw these a few tech companies. What was it? Coinbase. Yeah. We did episodes on this last year or two years ago. I don't remember. Uh, so Some companies did do that. And then there's a huge backlash and a bunch of the employees quit because they wanted to be able to talk about things like race and politics and abortion. Well, no, flag. but coin, but coin, I, I, I think Coinbase weathered that pretty oh, totally. well. They offered buyouts and, and yeah, and let them quit. They, yeah. They lost like something like half their employees, but then great. Half the employees are gone. You can replace them with people who are more aligned with the vision of the company. Yeah, um, I'll just continue reading from this article. Uh, Ms. Lee fielded the question, uh, the question about the triggering, arguing that the Moving Forward series was aimed at having tough conversations and not intended to be comfortable. Quote, sometimes being pushed out of your own strategic ignorance is the right thing to do, end quote, she said, according to notes taken by an employee who attended the event. The comment prompted more employee outreach and complaints to executives, according to the Slack messages and the employee, uh, blah, blah, blah. Workers fumed that instead of a chance to provide feedback or have a dialogue, they were instead being lectured about the response to the initial don't call it me Karen event. Quote, I felt like I was being scolded for the entirety of that meeting, end quote, one employee wrote. So the end result of all this is that this woman, Lee, is put on leave because of these complaints, because of the Karen thing. This is last thing. She's not white, I assume. I believe she's Asian, just based on her name. So she's white adjacent. Can can Asians be Karen? That's a really good question. I think there actually is an Asian ethnicity called Karen. <laughs> C A R K A R I N. Karen. I'm gonna look Karen? that up. I think that's real. Wait, really? Karen, maybe. Oh my God, it's not K A R I N. It's K A R E N. And yes, this is an ethnic group around uh, Myanmar. There's an actual ethnic group called Karens. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> So maybe she was talking about Karens and they thought she was talking about Karens. <laughs> so one employee, so Lee Lee is put on leave. Back to the Times, quote, one employee wrote that the company's executives, quote, have heard us. They know we are hurting and they want to understand what all happened to. 
So the whole thing seems to hinge on the idea that they were lectured at by the chief diversity woman, but also that they were hurting for being forced to encounter the idea that like some white women don't like being called Karen. And what's interesting about all this is that Lee's line that conversations about race should make people uncomfortable is constantly being echoed in other DEI contexts. Totally. It's like that's one of the foundational beliefs of Robin no, no, D'Anzo no. is that it's good to make you make white people uncomfortable. That's the that's goal. what I'm saying. Right. It's good to make white people uncomfortable. It's a sign of racial growth. So the theory seems to be that certain racial groups should feel discomfort during these workplace trainings, which again, I don't understand how this hasn't become like lawsuit city, but that other groups shouldn't be made to feel uncomfortable. Like that's obviously not going to work during a corporate training. Um, what do you think more broadly as a Karen? What do you think of the Karen meme? Are you asking me if I think it's a slur? <laughs> like turf, right? Yeah, like turf. I think that it is, I mean, it describes a real phenomenon for sure, but I do think it's derogatory, disparaging. I think it's used broadly to stereotype people and other people have made this point. But if we had a term for someone like a, a Felicia, that, requ- that referred to stereotypical behavior of black women, this would be considered racist, yeah. would it not? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So I I, I mean, I, like, I think it's analogous to that. And very few people would, I believe, feel comfortable referring to black women who behave a certain way as Felicia's or whatever, but they do feel comfortable referring to women as Karen's. I'm not going to pretend that I've never used the term before. I do use it mostly to refer to myself. And I do think it, you know, it but you can use it because you are one and you're friends right. with Karen. Some of my best friends are Karens. But it does, you know, like many stereotypes, it does describe a real phenomenon. It is not, I don't think, stated in like the spirit of like love or lighthearted jesting. No. And then, of course, there are lots of times where women are accused of being Karens. And then when you look at what actually happened, the story is totally different. So it's used to dismiss complaints, genuine complaints that people might have. Yeah, I think like with anything that spreads and morphs on social media, which is like, that's really where the Karen thing has blown up is on social media. You have like a good sized kernel of a legitimate complaint, and then it gets weaponized and blown out of proportion. Like, there are definitely racist and transphobic people, obviously. But in 2023, those terms are used so loosely on Twitter, that like, if someone's accused of them, I'm like, are they? I don't know. It's like a maybe a coin flip. Yeah. I think it's the same thing with Karen, where at this point, like basically any white woman who acts in a manner anyone finds objectionable for any reason is labeled a Karen. Any reason involving like her being complaining seeming. And once that happens, it feels like there's a lot of like socially sanctioned cruelty and piling on. And there was just a really crazy example of this in New York earlier this month. There was this short video that went viral of a white woman named Sarah Jane Comrie, a physician's assistant. She's in some sort of altercation with, um, it looks like a young black man and his friends over a city bike. They each claim they rented the city bike. Let's listen to it. It's a little bit of this um, 90 second video. Why you took his phone? What's wrong with you? Don't touch his phone. Do not touch his phone. I'm not touching you. You putting your stomach on my head. 
Stop. Madu, stop. No, Madu, stop. No, no, no. No, I said no. I said sit down. Please. She's just crying. You're not crying. You're not crying. I got your video. Drunk? Wait, you, you, you pulled it out? Hassan, you pulled it out? Hassan. Hassan, you pulled it out? This is my bike. It's on my account. Please move. All right, so why don't we set, reset the bike? I'm not resetting the bike. It's his. It's his. It's his. So on the basis of this video, which was watched tens of millions of times, an incredibly vitriolic campaign was launched against this woman. Uh, Katie, describe the screenshot I included in the notes here, which is from the Young Turks, you know, the lefty internet show. So it's a still of what looks like this woman yelling at this young black kid. Uh, she looks like a Karen. And then the Chiron at the bottom, Karen uses white tears to steal e-bike from Black Rider. Look, the video is weird. At one point, she starts crying in a way that seems weird. I found it a little off-putting, but we we know from... We don't know how people are going to react when they get in a fight or they're in an emotional situation. This is an absolutely ambiguous video in the absence of more evidence. Despite all this, she's put on leave by her hospital, which described the video as quote unquote disturbing. She gets all sorts of threats, all sorts of harassment. Then the New York Post reports that she paid for the bike. Her attorney had the receipts to prove it. NBC News follows that up, reporting the same thing. We'll include links to those in the show notes. But then an outlet called... I'm already bla- immediately blanking the name. News Now? News One? One Now? News Now? News One. News One. So the uh, headline, this was May 25th, the day we're recording. Mother of teen in city bike video speaks out, quote, no one bothered to ask him what happened, end quote, Monique Judge. I think it's a slightly weird article for various reasons. You'll see if you read it. But the long and the short of it is there seems to be a lot of evidence that this kid it was it was his bike. He was there first. He um, does this thing I had actually heard about where if you ride city bikes around from docking stations with too many to docking stations with not enough, city bike will like credit you. And apparently him and his friends do that a lot and they use city bike just for transportation. So he had taken the city bike to this location. You basically, you need to dock it um, before you hit 45 minutes because then the rate goes up. So it looks like he took it uh, to this dock docked it and was waiting to take it back out and then this woman apparently came and sort of scared like reached over and scanned it and um it looks like she acted like she was the victim i found this to be a a pretty compelling article what do you think i first of all why does new york have docking stations you guys are like living in like the last century here what are what are these docking stations in seattle like in most sophisticated american cities you just leave the bike on the sidewalk for people with wheelchairs to trip over Um, I'm very confused about how this works. Yeah, I do not find News One to be a particularly uh, reputable outlet. Now that no. I've, now that I've did heard they, of it, did Karen section give that away? They have. So they have. They have. I searched. I was trying to find this article, and I searched News One Karen, and they have the Karen archives. They have done <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. <laughs> At least seven articles about this particular incident. Just about uh, this one? Just about this one. Two of the articles, including another one by Monique Judge, she's written quite a few about this particular Karen incident, uh, compare this woman, this nurse, Sarah Jane Comrie, to Carolyn Bryant, who is the woman who uh, who was involved in the Emmett, Lin- Emmett Till. Lynching. Yeah. No one, get, no one can just like be a bad person anymore. Everyone is Hitler or... 
Anyway, um, yeah, so this is, <laughs> this is roughly the woke equivalent of like Breitbart's black crime section. This is like, this is more the root than the root actually is. Um, so assuming that the reporting here is good and, and the, the, the boy who's involved in this, they call him Michael in this article. He's a senior in high school. He's 17 years old. He's the son of an immigrant. And he he does appear to have the receipts here in terms of like the time that he like logged into the bike app or I don't know fucking paid for it or whatever. I'll just assume that this is that this is correct. I, th- I think it's legit because it, it lines up with their story and she had a receipt too, mm-hmm. but her receipt could reflect the fact that she like reached over him and scanned it because it is pretty easy to use the um, what are those fucking things called that never work on my phone. So, uh, so QR code. So yeah. the story is, and t- correct me if I'm wrong, Jesse. Here, he's saying that he was basically like pausing. He he was like sitting on the bike. It was his bike, yeah. and she came over. And the reason that this bike was like a high prize is because this apparently was an e bike in New York. Again, total backwater. Doesn't have fucking e bikes everywhere, just scattered all over the sidewalk like we do over here in Seattle. It's very oh, yeah. strange. <laughs> the difference. But do you guys even have scooters? I'm sorry, that, I'm Katie. I'm sorry that we're not as well. Answer the question, Jesse. I'm sorry that we're not as well-functioning a city as Seattle, where, if my understanding is correct, like, a third of the city is just being run by militias. I might be slightly outdated on that. I I saw, oh my god, I saw this amazing headline today. This was in the Free Beacon. Uh, Aaron Silberum, what's his name? I think Silberium. 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 That sounds like a bodily fluid. Uh, new, he tweeted this. New, Seattle's promotional exams for firefighters now test candidates on Ibram Kendi, Robin D'Angelo, and memoirs of a transgender firefighter, among other woke texts. Lieutenant exam test about 800 pages of material unrelated to firefighting Oh, tactics. my God. That's so, no. yeah. But, hey, we have e-bikes and we have scooters fucking everywhere. So, fuck off, Jesse. I guess and what, our firefighters are really I, woke. I, I guess where I'm landing is that while I think the term Karen can be used to leap to judgments against people, it appears this woman might be a Karen. Well, this is also a good reminder that it's not good to leap to conclusions, whether you're on the Karen side or the young man side. Like the initial uh, firestorm about this, everybody blamed her, and then the, and then really everybody should have waited to see what actually happened. The New York Post reporting, which is based on statements from her lawyer, uh, you know, that sort of demolished that narrative. But here comes this other source demolishing that narrative. So as always, it is good to wait until there's further reporting. I do, however, find... No, nah, no, nah, it's fine. Okay. Just yeah. whatever seems to be right, just tweet that. It's fine. I do find this to be another example of how weird it is that these interpersonal, these like small interpersonal conflicts that happen every day in every city in the world end up being national news stories. And of course, Covington, what happened on the, the Washington Mall was a really good example of that. You know, if you're like telling your, you know, your editor tells you like, get out to the mall. Some teenagers got into a fight with an old man like that is. And then that takes over the news cycle for days. And that it like. Is this a new thing? Is this an internet thing? I, I, it's disturbing the extent to which people salivate when it appears there's racial conflict, no matter yes, how low yes. stakes the racial conflict is. Like you would think people right. are trying to make race relations worse. And I, I don't know. Yeah. I think there's some people who like want it to be the case that everyone, different groups are at one another's throats. It's not. Oh, it, that is 100% true. People seem like disappointed when it turns out that like the, the narrative isn't as bad as 
people initially thought. And it's not in just race. Like, also, don't forget gender. Gender, there's also the gender wars. You would say that. You're, you're a woman. This is probably going to be one of the first questions when uh, in, in the like the Republican primary or even in the national election, like asking Joe Biden and Ron DeSantis, like, who is the carrot <laughs> in this situation? Firefighters will have to answer that in New York to become firefighters. Yeah. So one of the things that the author of this City Bike News Now Karen article, Monique Judge pointed out, was that, you know, this the Karen, the alleged Karen, Sarah Jane Comrie, uh, that she, her GoFundMe raised $100,000. She wrote another follow-up article. There's now a GoFundMe for the young man involved in the City Bike incident. This was created all of nine hours ago, and as of now, they've raised raised $30,000 out of a $120,000 goal. So he's catching up. Good for him, I guess. I mean, they're an immigrant. I don't know. They seem like a sympathetic family, immigrants. I don't want, I don't want, I just, it was, it was a weird article because like the whole first part was like how everyone jumped to the conclusion that he had done something wrong. I guess it's like a filter bubble thing. I had seen people jumping to the exact opposite confusion conclusion yeah, that she had yeah. done something wrong. That was, I think that was the first conclusion was that she'd done something wrong, right? And then the yeah. second conclusion. We're just jumping from conclusion was that he had, right? Well, it's it's yeah. all our priors, right? Like you don't like, you don't like West African immigrants, so you probably assumed the family did something wrong. No, I don't like nurses. That's <laughs> why I have donated your half, I'm sorry, your tenth of the of the, our earnings this month to his GoFundMe after I'm, I'm the cut up for the Anarchist Cafe. We should... Remember, though, that even if this is a case of genuine Karenists, there are other situations in which people are dubbed Karens or similar names where they have not done anything wrong. Yeah. Do you, there was, do you remember in, um, in Seattle a couple years ago, this was probably in 2020, somebody was going around videotaping women, accusing them of saying the N-word? Do you remember that? And then fundraising off of this? That yes. was crazy. That total, total scam, scam artist guy. We, yeah. we did a segment about it. Yeah. And and it's because he weaponized it because he knew that as soon as you stick a camera in someone's face and accuse them of that sort of online outrage-inducing behavior, people will believe you no matter how full of shit you are. And it seems like a lot of folks still haven't learned the lesson to withhold judgment and not immediately disseminate one of these uh, videos when it comes out. Right. And there, there's other examples where it's like even clearer cut that folks are getting victimized by being called Karens or variants for, for no reason. Uh, Katie, read this 2018 headline from the Portland Mercury, which I believe is one of your favorite newspapers. Yes, Portland Mercury. Uh, this is the sister publication of the Seattle Stranger, my former employer. So the initial headline was, woman calls cops on Portland man's parking job. She's white, he's black. Cops has now been crossed out and it says city. But initially they reported that this woman called the cops. This piece is by... Alex Zelensky. Um, Alex was, I'm not sure if she still is, but she was the news editor at the Mercury. In this case, because the incident involved a crosswalk, people started calling her Crosswalk Kathy, which is just another way of saying it, Karen. It's like a stereotypically white name. Right. This must have been before uh, before Karen came into, into existence. I want to say, I'd be curious to see when Karen really burst out on the scene. I feel like it was already on the scene in 2018. But either way, it's the same thing. You're just you're calling her this name to make her sound right. like this basic white woman who's trying to victimize black people. In this case, um, this was a woman who reported a car for like blocking part of a crosswalk. She didn't like that it had blocked part of a crosswalk. Crosswalks need to be accept- accessible. So this one was like particularly bad because all these outlets reported it as a racial incident, but buried was the fact that she didn't know the race of the driver. She called not the cops. 
they had to correct that. They, she called like whatever city uh, department was responsible for like those sorts of enforcement violations because um, there was an empty car part blocking a crosswalk or partially blocking a crosswalk. So it literally could not have been a racist incident. Also, it's Portland. So what were the odds the car was owned by a black couple as it turned out to be? Very, very low. So again, this went viral. People tried to ruin this woman's life, find her employer, all because like, oh, crosswalk Kathy, she must be the bad person. So she like, like and the funny thing is that like in other circumstances, because this is Portland, Portland is the sort of city where people are really serious about bicycle rights and accessibility. This woman would have been seen as doing the right thing if it had been a white, a white dude. If a driver. white woman parked her Mercedes and right. blocked a crosswalk, and like someone in a oh wheelchair couldn't get it, it would. It's just the number of these stories it, from the minor incidents to ones as big as like the, the subway chokehold in New York, where you know that if the races were reversed, the coverage would be totally different. Totally. It sort of makes you just lose so much faith in all these commentators and journalists. Yeah. So anyway, uh, what, what this comes down to is like, obviously being called a Karen doesn't rank that highly in the history of American racial impression, but it's pretty obnoxious and it has some obvious downsides. And the idea that Uber employees are such delicate flowers, they can't even bear to hear the other side of like the whether or not to call people Karen's debate is just like sort of makes him out to be whiny little babies, I think. I mean, they complain to the manager, right? They're literally Karen's. And I really want to know what exactly happened in this meeting to be so triggering to the employees. Yeah. There's been no more reporting on this. Not that I'm aware of. Uh, But whether or not there has, the fact that the Times would run this without any other than employees saying they felt bad, which it's 2023, people feel very bad about right. a lot of things, uh, not always justifiably so. I, it's just, I don't, the reporting seems really thin given that like a woman was suspended over this. So I don't know. Well, if anybody knows how to get in touch with, what's her name? Bo Young Lee. Yes. If you work at Uber, which a lot of people do, email us, tell us what you think. Or if you are Bo Young Lee and you want to come on to talk about who is and isn't a Karen and whether or not it is a racial slur like turf. All of which would be very good for your career going forward. I think you should do that. Jesse, can men be Karens? Men, it's very interesting the extent to which men are let off. There's like a rush in the last five years of attention, making it seem like TERFs are the worst people in the world. They're Nazis. Karens are getting black people killed every day. White women got Trump elected. White women got Trump elected. And yet us men continue to just live our dumb cargo shorts wearing lives without that level of i mean there's like the casual like fuck white men there's a lot of that there was that period of like all men are rapists blah 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 but like it does it seems like the really vitriolic stuff tends to target women i wonder why that is no idea probably because they're asking for it i think (laughs) i can think of no other reason what were they wearing (laughs) beer bradley bag All right, Jesse, anything else? No, I just, look, I think the Karen should be rounded up and sent to camps where they can be de-Karenized. We need a massive, this would actually be a good economic stimulus, a massive de-Karenification process. And maybe we could send them to Canada. I mean, it is a genocidal state. Oh, man. To work at the cafe? Yes, to work at the anarchist. If You know you know that if Karen's worked at the anarchist cafe, it would not be open nine to five. They would be open from <laughs> six to five. Six to six. Exactly. They're very hardworking, those Karen's. They are. This has been Blocked Reported. As always, we are produced with help from Tracing Woodgrains. I'm sorry, Trace. I'll try to be a good boy next time. Uh, and the mysterious Lex. I'm Jesse Single. And remember, Karen's are the root of all evil. And I'm Katie Herzog. And also remember, real anarchist cafes have never been tried. <laughs>